It's been great to have baptisms here in Connor recently, and for me as a minister of the gospel, it is such a delight to baptize a wee one like Molly, and there is great joy for the family today who share in all of that. And I don't know if you guys are getting together afterwards or what the plan is, but so often on occasions like this, afterwards there's that conversation about a child, a baby, an infant, and there's the working out of who they look like, you know, oh, she looks kind of like her mum, but then when you look at her in this angle, you can see her dad. And as children grow up, that's not only the case when it comes to looks, it's the case when it comes to personality and mannerisms and all kinds of characteristics, and it can go beyond the generations, not just your mother, your father. Sometimes you're told that you're even like people that you don't even remember. Someone old meets you and says, you know, your great-grandfather just walked exactly the way that you did or, or something like that. And one of the phrases that we use is, it runs in the family. Well, here's the amazing thing that I want us to keep in mind as we work our way through this book of Ruth in the lead up to Christmas. As we spend time in this book, the Lord Jesus, born that first Christmas, descends from the two central characters of this book, the two people that we'll be thinking about during the rest of our time in the book of Ruth. They are the great, 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 and so it goes on, grandparents of Jesus. Because while Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and the gospel writers are so clear about that, the Bible still talks about how through his earthly father, Joseph, he descends from one particular family that goes all the way back to Abraham himself. In fact, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, and you look at the way in which Matthew begins his gospel, his good news story of the life of Jesus, he begins it with the family tree or the fam family line of Jesus, all of the generations going back, and mentioned right in the middle of all of that in verse 5 are these people that we're reading of and thinking about today. There it is in Matthew 1 verse 5, the mention of Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And that's why we're looking at this incredible wee book of the Bible in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And even though Ruth and Boaz were there over a thousand years before Jesus, even though there are so many generations before Him, there is a sense in which it runs in the family. That as we look at their lives, and especially today as we look at the life of Boaz, it helps us to understand who Jesus is and why Jesus came into the world in the first place. So, I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me again to the book of Ruth, and we turn again to chapter 2. And last time when we looked at this chapter, we discovered that Boaz was a standout guy. He stood out in the time that he lived in, because right at the beginning of that chapter, he's described as being a worthy man. And we can say of Boaz that he was a worthy man in the worst of times. 
Because remember the time in which this story is set? We're told right back at the beginning of the book and the opening verse that all of this happened in the days when the judges ruled, and that was a bad news time. The days of the judges were a time when, as we're told in the book of Judges itself, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. People made it up as they went along. People had completely lost the plot. They decided what was right for themselves, and as a result of that, because they got it so badly wrong, were told of them in the book of Judges that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And it's a great description of our time and what our society is like today. And so, Boaz shows us her living God's way in a time when everybody else seems to be living their own way can make people stand out for God. But most of all, Boaz shows us what his descendant Jesus would be like. He helps us to understand who Jesus is and why he came. He helps us to understand that by the attitude that he had and the role that he fulfilled. Last time, we thought about Boaz's attitude. In fact, we spent so much time in this that we ran out of time and we didn't get to the other bit of this passage and this chapter. But what we discovered about Boaz in terms of his attitude to Ruth was that he was welcoming of this foreign girl. She was from a, a, a country that was despised by the Israelites, but he welcomed her in. And he was generous to her. He gave her food he gave her help. He gave her protection. And he did it because, as we find out in chapter 2, he was aware of God and his protection and his hand upon Ruth's life. And he wanted to be part of what God was doing. The thing that we discovered last time about Boaz is that ultimately he was godly. Now, we hear that word godly and we tend to think of those vicars, you know, on soap operas and sitcoms, like kind of weak people and ineffectual people, but that's not what godly is all about. Godly is as simple as this. A godly person is someone who thinks in the way that God thinks and who does what God does. And we see the godliness of Boaz all the way through this chapter. And we see the impact that his godliness had on the people in this story. Especially we see the impact of Boaz's kindness on the life of Naomi, the mother-in-law of Ruth. Remember back in chapter 1, all of the terrible things that happened to this old woman, Naomi, so that at the end of that chapter, what she says about her life is, I'm changing my name. Her name, Naomi, means pleasant. And back in verses 20 and 21 of chapter 1, she says, no, there's a name change. My name is now Mara, which means bitter. And she reveals why. She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. 
And yet, in contrast, look at the end of chapter 2 and the way in which Naomi is now talking about the Lord because of the way in which she's been treated and her family has been treated by Boaz. Now she says this of the Lord in verse 20, He has not stopped showing His kindness to the living and the dead. So, Boaz's kindness, his love, revived this woman's trust in God. It revived her love for the Lord, and that's what your kindness can do as well. That's why if you love Jesus and follow Him, your loving kindness is so important and can have such an impact on the lives of others. Boaz is a great picture of Christ because of the attitude that he has. But then the other thing that we want to think about today, and that is Boaz's role in this story. I'm sure that you love to to read books or, or watch TV programs or movies in which someone has fallen on hard times, but then it's all put right at the end. You know what that's like? And usually there's all that jeopardy in the story. Oh no, we've, we've lost all of our money. We've lost everything. And then just at the right moment, there's a relative who turns up or there is a will that is read and money comes and there is a rescue in the story. Well, here in the book of Ruth, and by the way, what we're reading here is history. These are real people, an actual story of people who live. We read of someone who shows up to rescue the day. And we love stories with heroes and happy endings. And that's probably why there is so much love for the book of Ruth in the Bible. And at the end of chapter 2, we discover something about this man Boaz, which will probably sound kind of strange to us, but which is actually really good news for these two women that we've been reading about in this story. Because if you look again at verse 20 of chapter 2, there Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi reveals a fact about this man Boaz. She says of him, that man is our close relative. But then she adds, he is one of our kinsman redeemers. So, it's clear that Bethlehem back then was like this part of County Antrim today, everyone was related to everybody else. That's what I've discovered in my time here in Connor. In fact, when I arrived here six and a half years ago, I was well warned in somebody's house. Someone said to me, Philip, be really careful what you say because everyone around here is related to everybody else. And now over six years later, I still find myself discovering how people are related, sometimes closely related, so that somebody's talking to me, and and they mention someone, and then they say about her sister, so-and-so, and I'm, what? Whoa, hold on, they're sisters? Nobody ever told me that. But the thing about Boaz is not only was he a relative of Naomi, he's described as having this special role. Look at that strange phrase at the end of the verse, that he is a kinsman redeemer. And what's that all about? Now, it's nothing to do, by the way, with, for those who loved their football back in the 90s, Jürgen Klinsmann. I keep hearing that word, and I think of that footballer, but it is kinsman redeemer. 
Now, what's that all about? And what could it possibly have to say to us here towards the end of 2023? Well, I want you to think again about the society that Naomi and Ruth were part of. And it's so important that we understand that for them as women to be left on their own, to be left without a husband, was the ultimate bad news. Now, today, we might look back at that and think, that is a terrible situation, which it was. But we need to understand that in this society, that was the way that it was. That a woman without a husband was left with nothing. No land, no money, no future. That's why when we meet Ruth in this story at the beginning of the passage we read, she was effectively begging. Don't imagine her as one of the workers in the field. She was behind the workers, scavenging, getting food so that she could survive. And because it was such a serious situation to be in, God, through His law, made provision for widows and orphans in these circumstances. According to the law in the book of Deuteronomy, a brother had to marry his dead brother's widow in order to provide her with security. And in a case like this, where there was no surviving brother, and remember that in this story, back in chapter 1, all of the men of this family were wiped out by that famine. In that case, the next closest relative could volunteer to buy the land, to marry the widow, and to redeem the situation. In other words, they could put things right, which is why we have this term, kinsman, redeemer. And what we get to see of Boaz is he had been welcoming and generous to Ruth, but now he had an opportunity to go so much further and redeem this hopeless situation. And this helps us to see what the Lord Jesus did. Because that idea of redemption, it's so central to the, the big overall story of the Bible. And while this is a, a Christmas series, while this is a series that we're having as we begin to think about and celebrate the coming of Christ into this world, what we read here actually takes us much further into the life of Jesus. In fact, ultimately, it takes us to His death on the cross. What is redemption all about? Why do we need it? What has it got to do with us? Well, to understand what redemption is all about, we need to understand the problem of sin. And the fact is that today most people don't think that sin is a thing at all, or at least if they do, most people regard sin as being something that's a wee bit naughty. It's a, it's a bit of fun. But God tells us a very different story in His Word. And we need to understand the clear things that He tells us about sin. God tells us that sin separates us from Him. And so, it goes against everything that we were made for, that our purpose in being in this world is to be in relationship with Him. So, if you're lacking purpose in your life, that's the first place to look at. But not only that, sin enslaves us. 
It binds us. We can't break free of our sin by ourselves. And so we find ourselves in need of rescue from it. And ultimately, what we discover about sin in the Bible, what God reveals about sin, is that it has a penalty because it is an offense against Him. And we get that concept that if you commit an offense, then there is a penalty to be paid. So that if you leave church today, and if you head down onto the Lisnevena Road, the dual carriageway, and you're flying up towards Balamina or down towards Antrim at 90 miles per hour, and then the, the Volkswagen Golf with the blue lights, this has never happened to me, by the way, but it, it comes up behind you and pulls you over. My car could never get to 90, but, but if, the, if the car comes up and pulls you over, you know that the offense has been committed and the penalty needs to be paid. And what the Bible tells us is that sin ultimately leads to death. It leads to separation, eternal separation from God in hell, and everything that it tells us about there, including what Jesus says about hell, tells us it's a place that we want to stay well, well clear of. And so, redemption is the rescue that the Lord Jesus brings us. It's Him paying the price for our sin so that we don't have to. And it's a price that He paid. It is redemption that He won through His death on the cross. So that there's a chorus that we sing here in church sometimes, He paid the debt He did not owe. I owe the debt I could not pay. It was Christ's death that was the way that God provided for us to be right with Him, to get right with Him, to be, as the Bible explains it, justified. So that Paul, a follower of Jesus and an apostle, he puts it like this in Romans chapter 3. He says, all, and here he's speaking of every single person, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes every one of us here. But then he goes on to say, and all, and there he's talking about all who trust in Jesus are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So that's why the Lord Jesus talked about Himself, saying of Himself in Mark chapter 10 that the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And as we come to the end, to understand this better, we need to finish off by looking at two important things about this role that Boaz played as a redeemer of Ruth and Naomi. And here are the two things very briefly. The first thing is that Boaz had to be willing to fulfill this role. He had to be willing to do it. This was not compulsory as we'll see in the coming weeks. But out of love for Ruth, Boaz took on this role. He was willing. And then think about the Lord Jesus, who has not only redeemed one family, but who has redeemed all who will turn to Him in this world. And He had to be willing to do that 
and the willingness of the Lord Jesus is our great hope. It was out of love for us and out of love for His Father that He did this, because Jesus, unlike every single other person who has lived, He did not deserve death. He had never sinned, and yet He went to His death on the cross for you and me. The night before His death, He prayed to His Father, Father, if it's possible, take this cup. What He's talking about is the mission that He's been given. Take this job away from me. But He continues to pray, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I want you to know that Jesus' willingness is good news for us. It can be good news for you. And then the the final thing about this rule, that fulfilling this rule gave Naomi and Ruth a wonderful future. And let's again be absolutely sure about this. If they were not redeemed, these women had a hopeless future. It's just as simple as that. And I want you to know that today, for us, for you, without the redemption of Christ, you have a hopeless future. You you face a lost eternity. So that Naomi and Ruth, they were powerless to save themselves. That's just what their time and their society was like. And Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 5 that it is the same for us because of our sin. He says that when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, as we finish off, as we prepare to sing our closing song, maybe you think, well, what I've just heard, there's a lot of stuff there, and it doesn't maybe make me particularly want to sing too much praise. That sounds like some bad news, but it is that bad news that makes the gospel that we celebrate, the good news of Jesus that we celebrate in this season, so incredibly wonderful. And this is what we celebrate in these days that lie ahead and at all times if we love and follow Jesus. And it's put like this in Galatians 4, when the time had fully come. What that means is at exactly the right moment, God sent His Son Jesus, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive adoption to sonship. What he's saying is this, that we can be redeemed by Jesus, to be brought into the very family of God, to be His sons, to be His children, with a bright future with Him. Now, that's good news. And I wonder today, is it good news for you? We're going to make